Father, I am grateful for your saints who have made an effort here to come and worship you. I'm grateful for those who know that they haven't yet bowed the, the knee to you, Jesus, and surrender for you to run their life, God. And we ask that by your spirit, you would move in power. It's not going to be by my might or my power or my efforts, God, but by your spirit. Minister to your church, build up your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Take a seat, y'all. Take a seat. So today's message is a part two from last week's message. If you haven't, uh, if you were not here yesterday, I'll go ahead and review for you briefly. The Apostle Paul ends up telling us to be filled with the Spirit. And then he says, from there, go and serve within your family. So he gives an exhortation to husbands and brides within the family. Husbands, you're to mutually submit to your bride. Mutually submit to her. That is your focus. And you're to do so by sacrificing, laying down your life. Brides, your focus and your role given by Paul is that you would mutually submit to your husbands. And you would do that by following the sacrificial leadership of your husband. So today, we're going to see how Paul now addresses husbands and brides. Husbands and brides in terms of their parenting role. Specifically, though, he's going to address the importance and the role of a father and of a child. And we need to cover a few things to get on the same page. Just a few things. One is that for the child and for the father, this is a way to worship God. You and the exhortations you will get within your family will be a way to worship God within your family in the role that you have. Secondly, to understand, you are not going to enjoy being a father or a child as much if you are not filled with God's spirit. If you are not continually seeking God and the habits that you've formed, hearing from God's voice, a quiet time, it just will not end up panning out in an enjoyable experience. I don't think that it was by happenstance that the Apostle Paul wrote in chapter 5 and chapter 6 in order of things. First, he basically says to the family, each individual, go vertical. Go vertical. You're to be filled with God's spirit. We read that first. Then he ends up addressing husbands and brides. And he ends up saying, brides, mutually submit. Husbands, mutually submit. And then he ends up addressing children, their role in the family, and then specifically fathers. In other words, God has placed order within the family, just as you see an order within society. And if you are off with God, you are going to be off horizontally. If you're off vertically, you will be off in all of your relationships, especially with your children, if you're a father or a spouse. And, it, and also when you're off horizontally with being a spouse, you will be off with being a parent. Fathers and children, there are so many voices out there telling you what you should be. Some from, from amazing, God-fearing men and women who write, authors, and some from just cultural voices. I think to myself, how can we simplify things? What would, it would be amazing if there was just one thing to focus on. Well, in today's text, Paul gives us that one thing. To worship Jesus as a father and as a child is simple. Focusing on one thing. And I suggest that focusing on that one thing within your families, in the roles that God has given you to experience his love and to pour it out within your family, if you were to simplify it to one thing, it would bring you confidence and it would bring you encouragement. With all the things that you could fail in as being a father, all the youth sports that you want to run your children to, creative ways to get them involved, to find out their wirings and giftings. We're going to go through, and Paul just gives you one thing to focus on. 
My, my uh, coach used to say back in the day, uh, he can't hold more than one thought. Everything else just falls apart. And the Apostle Paul takes the same approach. Let's get into the text to find out what that one thing is. First, we're going to start off with fathers. Verse 4. You might turn me down a little bit. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Fathers, simple. Your focus within your family as a father is to discipline and instruct as Jesus has disciplined and instructed you. To discipline and instruct your children as Jesus has disciplined and instructed you. In other words, we are a representation of God to our children. What an honor. The, the God that you've experienced in a loving way that's transformed your life, he's now given you an opportunity to shape and mold these children from the time of birth until the time they get older and out of the house and then a relationship changes and you adapt. You're the main influencer. God's given you fathers a unique role. See, God's discipline and instruction at the end of the day, in all of it, and we'll, we'll, we'll go through exactly what all those things are, it's all meant to point your children to love Jesus with more of their heart and their soul and their mind. Whatever form of discipline and instruction that you're getting, you want it to reflect how Jesus has disciplined and instructed you, which, by the way, is always trying to conform you into his likeness, to become more whole, to become more Jesus-like. And when we discipline our children, we're actually mimicking the way that God disciplines his children and if you're born again, you could say the way that God disciplines you. Look with me in Proverbs 3. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves. Just as the father corrects a child in whom he delights. In 2009, I was an up-and-coming star in, in football. I played at the University of Nebraska down in Lincoln. And I approached 2019 with a goal to enter the draft early. So that would be, mean I would have to ball out my junior year. And it happened. I was balling out, got nationally recognized the first four games. My dreams were coming true. Well, simultaneously, I ended up undermining almost everything that God also cares about during the way. The way that I treated others, the way that I would skip class, how I was dishonest in academics, all of those things ended up diminishing. I lost sight of who God was and what increased was the accolations of men and my goal to actually become an early draft agent. So God taught me a lesson. He disciplined me. Looking back, I didn't know at the time it was a discipline. You see, I got an AC joint sprain and the rest of the year was straight trash and garbage. I did not want to play anymore. The offense ran through me and I just didn't want anything to do with football. I almost quit at the end of the season. That's how bad it was. But interestingly enough, that's the consequence most of the time for me, not just for you, when your idols get torn down. And so what God was teaching me through disciplining me, through allowing me to have that injury and disliking, not being satisfied with football, was he was trying to point me back to a worship of God, the true satisfier of our souls. And in a similar way, fathers, you get the honor to discipline your children in a way that forms and builds their character in Jesus. Their character in Jesus. And in a season where your kids are young, I'm talking specifically about between ages two and six. 
God's actually given wisdom and recommended from his word that spanking would be a corrective form of discipline to use in love for your children. Look with me. This isn't just coming from me. Proverbs 22, verse 15. A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness. We all agree. Fathers, we're saying a hearty amen. Before we came to Jesus, we definitely were full of foolishness. Let's give an amen to this as well, though. But physical discipline will drive it far away. Fathers, our kids are full of foolishness. They're filled with original sin. They were born into iniquity as, the, as King David ended up describing in the Old Testament. We're moral deficient kids growing up. We lack morality. We're deficient. As easy as it is for our kids to breathe right now, it seems like that's as easy as them to hit, steal, lie, bite, manipulate. It comes as easy as breathing to them. And sometimes, sometimes in discernment between the ages of two and six, the only way to stop that type of misconduct is by force, as Proverbs would say. I wasn't disciplining growing up. I didn't grow up in a Christian household. I was a latchkey kid. Uh, I would go home and pretty much run the show, and whenever I showed up was when I wanted to come back. Played after school, didn't have much discipline, and never got spanked. And what I realized looking back was it formed in me that I unconsciously, although I seem modest and well-behaved uh, publicly, <laughs> publicly, everything revolved around me. You couldn't tell me otherwise. Everything revolved around me. The reason why people didn't notice that I was that selfish was because I was excelling in sport. I was excelling in things that I cared about. So didn't, people did not notice that. Well, when I learned that the Bible ended up teaching about spanking, about forcefully stopping sinful behavior, I was open to it. Because at the time, I was open to doing anything that God would tell me. I was open to stop lusting by substituting something more worshipful in my heart. I was open to other exhortations from the word. And for this, I was open even though I was 17, newly born again. I'm like, give it all to me, God. I don't have any divisions in the line. I was a blank slate. I, was, I didn't have anything, didn't carry any baggage. I was like, just teach me. Little did I know, and I wish you Christian parents would have told me 20 years ago, that it is difficult to spank without being angry. That it is hard to spank in control. Little did I know that you needed self-control in order to build up your child, correct behavior, and them still to experience your love. God doesn't discipline us out of a lack of control, but with full control. In the locker room down in Nebraska, I remember being turned off to it. I was like trusting God that that was going to be true for future kids of mine. And yet still, all, the, all of my best friends in college in the locker room, they all were sharing about how they got spanked. They were like trying to one-up one another. You didn't get a switch, though. You didn't get a switch. Your mom didn't tell you to go get a switch from the tree, break it off, and spank you. No, no, no. But check this out. One time, my parent, my parent hit me with the end of the belt, the hard side. And I'm like, oh, you guys are really got abused when you were younger. And interestingly enough, you know what I noticed? They were the most undisciplined, rebellious dudes on the team. And here's what I've learned over time. Their parents lacked love. They lacked love in their spanking. Not to throw away the baby with the bathwater. But they lacked love every time they talked about the anger of their parent. Every time they talked about how harsh the words of the parents were. 
And that's what I come to know in terms of what do I see and what am I going to trust God in. Fathers, if you don't agree with the wisdom that you find here in Proverbs in terms of permission to spank your child, I get it. There are a ton of variables that go into it. One, your background and how you grew up, whether you've experienced abuse, angry parents hitting you, arguments, and you just want to avoid them. Number two, just not being on the same level in agreement with your bride and just wanting to honor her moving forward. There are a plethora of reasons. I don't like seeing my children come up and fearing me as I tell them that I'm about to spank them. There, you don't know exactly, like, can I trust? If I go this route, is this really going to be effective in stopping some of the biting and the hitting of my children? I get it. I'm there half of the time with you guys. I just want to encourage you. That in a similar way, when you approach the scriptures and you read in Matthew 5, and you saw that Jesus told you to bless those who persecute you, to be kind to those who hate you, in the same way that you were open to obeying that because even though it's difficult, maybe God's asking you in a similar way because it's God's word to open your heart to what could be walking by faith, not by sight. Just trusting God's word that he may, he may have given us this tool as fathers, especially between the ages two and six, to bless the future of our children, to bless their obedience so that they would end up responding well to authority. In a similar way that we've read through different scriptures in Ephesians 5 yesterday, husbands, I'm sure it wasn't easy for you to actually submit towards God, the word of God, when Paul said to mutually submit to your bride, sacrificially always laying down your life, always trying to one-up her, one-up her in every good work. That's exhausting in moments when you're not filled with the Spirit. And yet last week, I'm pretty sure that you were open because the word of God was speaking to you. And in Proverbs 22, again, the word of God is speaking here. It says this, the wisest man ever known to humanity other than Jesus himself writing this, King Solomon, don't fail. Don't fail, fathers. That just, that just pulls me right there and be like, God, what, what do you want to say? What else are you going to say after this? I want to know how, how not to fail. Don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. Praise God. If you have hesitancies about going into spanking, it won't kill them by God's grace. If the Holy Spirit of God is within you, he will bear fruit that is self-control and allow him to minister to you in moments of error. Just don't throw it by the wayside. Verse 14, physical discipline may well save them from death. What does that mean? Do you know where spiritual death is? Where spiritually dead people go? Do you know what is at the heart of a person who's spiritually dead? Before you became a Christian and surrendered your knee to Jesus, it had everything to do with submitting to authority. And so the opportunity for us fathers to teach our kids about the value of submitting to authority in a lot of ways may come through spanking to stop something, to get our kids' attention that much more so that we can point them to a future date in which they're going to have to, our children will have to, Lord willing, have a future date where Jesus will ask them to submit to his authority. And what we want to do, fathers, is to set our children up so that it's totally not foreign to them. In 2007, when I got born again, no one told me what to do unless I agreed with it. 
in college, the reason I listened to my coaches was because I knew that they were going to get me better. But anything I disagreed with, I didn't have a muscle built up. And do you know what, that ha- what happens to a child who's not used to continually submitting to their parents, continually saying, you are authority? When the moment comes, you're going to get a hard-headed kid like me. And I nearly wanted to kill myself out of the desperation. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to live life anymore. God brought me to the point of, of depression. And I'm not saying you can write your kid's story. But that was a testimony of a hard-headed child who never was told what to do in submission to authority. You have an opportunity, fathers, that much more to exercise that muscle for your children. Fathers, it's not just discipline, though. You also, on the same side of the coin, you have the privilege and honor to instruct your children in the ways of the Lord. The way that Jesus has instructed you in your role. Sometimes we do discipline. And we do teaching simultaneously. When you correct something from your child, I'm preaching to the choir here, then you have an opportunity to teach. But there are also opportunities. And I think every husband, I want to encourage you in this. As I grow in this, I only have my oldest is seven. We have our six on the way. So my family is so young. But what I'm finding out is that God is calling me into, and I think he may be you as well, fathers, a role that is more proactive in instructing your children. Check it out with me. Psalm 78, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued the laws to Jacob. He gave instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they will in turn teach their own children. So each generation should set its hopes anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. A strong church from generation to generation is a church of parents, especially fathers who are willing to instruct and exhort their children in the Lord who are willing to share about the experiences they've had with Yahweh. They've, the, the way, fathers, the way that you have experienced the love of the Father, the power of the Spirit, the friendship of Jesus. When you were lonely, Jesus met you with friendship. When you were ashamed, the Father met you with his love and cloaked you. When you were weak, the power of God's spirit met you and strengthened you for the course ahead. That's what he wants from us, fathers. He wants us to testify of what we've tasted and what we've seen, the amazing goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen? A beautiful instruction for us. Beautiful instructions. Fathers, you can do this in many different ways. I'm just going to give you simple wisdom. I'm a guy who likes to be told what to do in terms of give me some practicalities. We'll talk proactive, reactive. Reactively, it's amazing to ask the Spirit to make you attuned to coaching moments within your day. You don't have to plan for them. You're just on the spot. Something happens. You point them towards God's perspective and his presence in the moment. We get that. Also, there are a couple ways to be proactive. One, you find you actually create margin within your calendar weekly daily, whatever it may be, to instruct your children in the ways of the Lord, how he's instructed you. And I'll share one for us. We just 
proactively fit something into what we have going. Our kids right now, again, seven to all the way baby in utero right now. And so we have a switch off between me and my bride, Danny, where we take one room, she takes another, and then we switch with story time. So what we ended up doing is we went Roman Catholic on them, brought the catechism. We brought, no, I'm just teasing. Um, <laughs> A catechism is not just Roman Catholic use. It's also used in Protestants. And all it is is a question and answer form for the people of God to learn something, Christian doctrine. So we ended up Googling children's catechism. And then up came on the very top one that we sifted through and thought was legitimate and amazing. So if you want to do that, children's catechism on Google, it's the very top one. And it's sovereign.org, I think, is the website. And so what we do every night is I've taken it, and it was too lofty uh, vocabulary for my children. So we just kind of adapted it. And right now we're on number seven. So we sit down, go to sleep, and I end up asking our children, who made you? God. Why did God make you? To worship him. What does worship mean? To love and obey God. What's God's? How many gods are there? One. How many persons are in God? Three. What's their names? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. What's his Hebrew name? Yahweh. That one I went Bible project on him. I couldn't help myself. Yahweh. What does Yahweh mean? The one who was never created, the self-existent one. They flow between each one. It has been the most proactive, edifying thing. And shockingly, after a year of doing it, my kids, when I don't do it, ask me to do it. It's interesting when you get your kids in rhythm and how much your kids actually like order throughout the day. So let that be just something of wisdom to promote. And by the way, you do not have to be a scholar. If you don't do that, praise God. You know what the most meaningful thing is at the end of the day? You want your kids to know that you have a personal, interactive, ongoing relationship with God. So as you have your quiet times, feel free to share that with your children. So that they just don't know about God through you, but they know that you know God. That you're connected to him. Because guess what? There is more that is caught than is taught at the end of the day. And if they end up hearing from you fathers about something you've learned in the word, about the miraculous thing in their brain, it just becomes normal. So you're telling me you haven't seen this God? You're reading about him and he's telling you stuff? Oh, whoa, Papa, what's the next one? What's the next one? What's the next one? Tell us more. You want to have your children, by God's grace, in the palm of your hand saying, hey, tell us what you heard from God. And then you promoting, hey, you know, you can connect to God too. How does that start, Papa? Interestingly enough, Jesus said, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. You can see where it's going, depending on the kid, your age's kids. You want to expose them to your relationship with God. That's going to be what's most valuable. And if you don't have a quiet time, get a quiet time, fathers. No shame, no guilt, but you have an amazing honor and responsibility in leading your family spiritually. And a lot is going to come through your vertical connection. All of it's going to come through your intimacy that overflows with God. No shame, no guilt, no condemnation. From this day on, you have new opportunities in your fathering and in your parenting. No matter how much you've messed up, no matter how much you have not done these things, God is so gracious. Your kids are so malleable. You will always have, Lord willing, an opportunity. Now, there are, opportun there are certain circumstances that I'm sure that each one of y'all have had 
And where your kids are that hard-hearted and you may be a senior in the room, prayer is where it's going to come from. Prayer. Your influence is going to be shifting into prayer. The Apostle Paul, by the way, going back to uh, fathers who have their kids in their household yet still. Take on this mentality. The Apostle Paul had it. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it yet, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Next up mentality, no shame, no guilt. Your kids are in your household. If you are scared to make a mistake, you know what my coach used to say to me? Just play. Let your muscle memory take over and just play. The worst thing that you want to do is to operate in timidity. Don't be, that doesn't come from the Lord. From the Lord comes power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? It's the mentality that Paul had in his ministry. What's next? Next up mentality. I'm going to forget all of the successes and the failures of the past, and I'm going to move forward. And it was the reason why Paul finished well, and it will be the reason that us fathers end up finishing well. Mothers, can I address you for one moment? I want to encourage you to encourage your man and pray over your man in terms of his spiritual leadership. We need your prayers. We need your encouragement. Sometimes we don't even, if the spirit of God is within us, trust the spirit of God within us, ladies, and, and see potential for what God has called us to. Sometimes we don't even know we want to lead our kids spiritually because we've never been led spiritually within our household. We've never had it modeled. Pray and encourage us. Sometimes we just need a pat on the back. Plenty of times I, am, I have bought into what, I'm, what I am teaching today primarily because my bride has always throughout the last seven years said, there is so much more for you. You're doing a great job, Roy. There is so much more for you with our kids. We need that as husbands as we have the proclivity to get lost in our work and things outside the household. Brides, we need you to continually encourage us. Please take that exhortation. Take it in humility. We need it. And imagine this. It would be amazing the possible relief that some of you ladies will experience in your household. You can be as gifted as a shepherd as a woman and as nurturing as, as anyone that anyone has ever known. And yet still, you can carry a weight that wasn't meant for you to carry. The spiritual responsibility of disciplining and instructing your children in terms of leading in that. Encourage and empower, please, your husbands. It will become a, the strengthening of your household, even as a pastor, will strengthen this church. And will promote godliness organically from within the household flowing out. That's exactly where it starts. And interestingly enough, Paul wrote in terms of that dynamic between the church and the family, he wrote to the Ephesian church. In other words, the implications are we need to look around the church and we need to be humble enough as parents, as fathers, to say, I need some assistance. I need to look to you for wisdom because, if, fathers, if you see a, another father whose child is outside of the household and loves Jesus and following him, feel free to go up to him. Please go up to him. Ask him all the mistakes that he made so that you don't have the same, you do not have to pay the same dumb tax that he paid. Go up to other families. You know what's fascinating to me? Being a Christian the last five years being in Nebraska, the families perspective on how terrible their kids are is actually 
influenced by whether you're in a small group or not. Another family came and said, my, my, my kids are, they're so disobedient. They argue all the time. And I thought to myself, are you in a small group? They said, no. And I said, oh, you need to get in one because so are mine. You need to know that sometimes your kids are kids, depending on their age. You need to know that some of these boys are rambunctious. You need to not be as hard on yourself as you are being right now. I get it. Especially, ladies, I know we do not want to mess up our children. God intended the church, the people of God, to come alongside one another and assist specifically with our fathering. So let's get back into the text. I want to make one more observation before we get to children. Does that sound good? We, we awake in here? Does that sound good? I know I'm hot too, but come on now. Wake up now. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Fathers, remember you're a representation of God to your children. Our treatment of our kids will either, in reality, help or hinder how they perceive God. I think that's why the Apostle Paul ends up exhorting us not to provoke our children to anger because we know that human anger doesn't bring about, as James says, the righteousness that God desires. And anger in our children will distort the view of who you are in their life and who God is. We provoke our children when we intimidate them, when we tease them, when we compare them to our other children, when we favor our children, when we discipline them out of a lack of self-control. In other words, we provoke our children when what we say as a Christian differs from what we do as a Christian. Hold up. Let me, let me, let me say that again. We provoke our children to anger when the tongue in our mouth doesn't match the direction of the tongue in our shoes. Ooh. Thank you, Spirit. That's a word of wisdom right there. The more that we provoke, the more someone's like, oh my gosh, this is gay. The more that we provoke, the more that we give our kids a distorted view, another hurdle for them, even outside of culture, to see the beauty of who God is. And if you're thinking, oh crap, I've already messed my kids up. Let me relieve you. We all have. We all have in varying degrees. We all make mistakes. We are all going to mess up our kids and have the opportunity to mess them up continually yet still. But guess what? God hasn't called us to be a perfect father. But to show the perfect father. To show the perfect father. And you know what's really beneficial? When you sin against your child, go and confess it. Go and confess it and point them to Jesus. Ask them, ask them to forgive you for your harsh tone. Ask them questions about it. And God will bless it. He will bless it. He wants your parenting to, to succeed more than you do. He wants you fathers to have a child that loves God the Father more than you do. Teach, instruct, discipline. Proverbs 22 verse 6 reads, Direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave. God wants your focus in disciplining and instructing your children as Jesus has disciplined and instructed you. And in doing that, you focus on that one thing, you can trust God in the results. And they better be the long haul because if they're the short haul, you're in for a lot of grief. Your child has free will. 
And instruction and discipline influences their will, their character. But they are going to make decisions outside of the household or in the household that may not honor God. But guess what? That's on them when they're outside the household. There are a lot of things we will mess up on, fathers. You know what one thing that we can't mess up on? One thing we can't, prayer. We cannot stop praying for our children Look with me, Lamentations 2.19. These aren't just wisdom that just I come up with. It's the word of God. Rise during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Lift up your hands in prayer, pleading for your children. We're going to make many mistakes. But covering our kids in prayer is such a dependent thing on God it ends up garnering his ear and his attention to look at your family and bless where you've messed up. To fill in the gaps where you've overcorrected, where rules have now brought about a rebellious kid because you've lacked relationship. He will cover over those things consistently pleading with the Father to have mercy on your children. Praying is the grace that God's given us to connect with him not only for our peace, but also for our children's good. You see, God the Father prays for us, so we should pray for our children. God the Father disciplines us, so we should discipline our children. God the Father instructs us, so we should instruct our children. In other words, God wants to parent through you. Fathers, God wants to father through you. Best thing we could do in getting out of the way and letting him do his thing to the best of his ability and not ours is to thank Jesus that on that cross, he gave you a vertical relationship, a connection with the Father to ask and plead to do it through you. Get out of the way by instructing and disciplining. Two sides of a coin. Discipline, instruction. Discipline, instruction. All in self-control. Children, let's get into yours. We're getting into what Paul has given to your focus your simple focus with all of the hats that you wear, children, in this room. I'm thinking about middle school, but specifically high school and above in this room with being an athlete, with being a student, with being involved in other team activities, with all of those pressures of getting good grades. God has given you just one thing within the family to worship him in, one thing to obey him in. Verse 1, chapter 5. Children, Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. Children who are still living underneath your, your parents' roof, I'm addressing you. Your focus is to obey your parents' as a worship unto the Lord because it pleases him. Simply put, to obey your parents, both of them. And here's the thing, if you do this, this is the word of God we're talking about. This is no small thing. He could have just said, do it because you're a teen. Do it because you're a preteen. Do it because you don't bring enough money to pay for the bills. God's heart's not harsh like that, though. He says, you will receive a blessing in this. How? How? There will be a day when Jesus, I alluded to it earlier, when Jesus will ask you to bow the knee and to submit to his authority. And by the way, I'm 12 years into it. It's the best decision I've ever made in my life. 
and your muscle and your habit and your humility. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You will need a foundation of humility in order to respond and surrender to him. Your will will be influenced by either your pride or your humility. And do you know what the best base of humility is as you're within your parents' household? Submitting to their authority. Submitting to their authority. It's a sacred moment. If, you're, if your parents are born again, you, they will tell you it's a sacred moment when you surrender the keys over to Jesus and ask him to rule and reign and forgive you of your sins. You, no one knows how many opportunities come in your life. Some are one. Some are two. You will never know. And what you want to do is to be ready. You, you want to stay ready so you don't have to get ready for that opportunity where God brings you by his grace into a moment to exercise your will and say, God, you run it. You run it. Whatever age you are, God wants your submission. As I invite the uh, worship team to come up, I want to pray for children, especially still within the household, that God would uh, just do amazing things in your life. I know that we're in a, a culture that may want to limit a lot of the children in our families, but when I read the scriptures, I just see the opportunity and see no age restrictions on those who are gifted for evangelism, those who are gifted for prophecy, on those who are gifted for healing, those who are gifted in prayer, those who are gifted to tell others about the goodness of God. And I want to pray for us parents that God would flood us with love as we continue to move forward, that us fathers specifically would be personally connected to the Father in an intimate way, so much so that it would motivate our fathering of our children. Jesus, thank you so much for your church. God, would you bring the focus, the burden, the delight, the opportunity of uh, being the greatest influence over our children? Would you bring that to bear on the fathers in here? Would you hold off the enemy's voice of guilt and shame? We thank you that you're a God of miracles and you give multiple opportunities. God, would we be fathers of prayer who would submit everything to you and God, would you move more of the students in this room, more of the students who are represented by their parents in here that aren't here, to a surrender to you, God? God, would they experience a worship and a value as they submit to their parents within their household? And would you bring about just stronger families you would build back, God, with a godly backbone, with a focus, and with a vision that everything would be towards a greater worship of you with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.